Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yes, the legends themselves, you guys. What's up, guys? Chilling, brother. How are yeah. you? Good, bro. I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, doing some editing. Before yeah, I saw your uh, your song of the day was Black Street No Diggity. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Classic. That's how you feel today? That's how I'm feeling today, man. That's how I'm Strong feeling today. Strong energy. Mm-hmm. It's a classic, man. In preteen years, man. Uh, it's crazy. That song was out. As a, there were so many songs that I shouldn't have been singing as a fucking like eleven year old like uh, next so close. Oh yeah, for sure. That song was nasty. Uh, how old are you? How old are you? I'm 33. So that song came out shit when I was uh, 10, 11, something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it came out when I was like a freshman in high school. Did it? And. It still was inappropriate. I yeah. didn't understand what it meant for a very long time. Yeah, me either. <laughs> me either. It's basically Those are my favorite videos ever, though, of the little kids like singing um, to just like yeah, 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 yeah. Don't be singing the box, bro. Like, like you're seven years old, bro. <laughs> right? Like, come on, man. Right? Yeah, that song came out in '97, so I would have been 11 when that shit came out. Um, I was like 13 then, yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I, I tell a story all the time that like the first time I heard Genuine's Pony, I was in seventh grade and there's these like Mexican chicks like with a boombox at like the lunch tables, mm-hmm. like after school. And I remember thinking like, like they were playing it super loud. And I remember being like, first of all, I fucks with this song, different language. Though I probably didn't curse like that. And second, <laughs> like I had no idea what the word bachelor meant. So I couldn't, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman singing. It was such right. like a falsetto ass voice. So I, at first I just thought it was a girl. I'm like, I'm just a bachelor. I'm like, <laughs> sing it to myself even higher. Cause I'm like, I'm singing as a woman. Yeah. And then the yeah. video came out and I was like, oh no, you have a That's... lot of growing up to do. <laughs> I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. <laughs> okay. Right, so that... what's up? What's interesting that I didn't even process is that today is uh, Dennis Robbins birthday. I know, right? I know. And even it's just luck of the draw. Just luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah. Fifty nine, I think. At? Where the air horns at? Right. Let's go. This is this should be a holiday. Wait, are you saying that that um, Dennis Rodman is older than Michael Jordan? I don't think he I is until just now. He is. He's like, uh, yeah, he turned fifty nine today. Jesus. Robin didn't come into the league until he was like mid twenties. Yeah, so we watched the uh, we watched the um, for better or worse the other day, and it was yeah. yeah. I mean, his story. I didn't know all of these details until like literally a few days ago. Yeah, about how he was just like homeless, chilling, and then all of a sudden gets a deep. This is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard for a you, successful basketball player. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You um, you kind of just underplayed um, the fact. <laughs> well, I was going to circle back. The okay. nigga wasn't homeless. He was living with a 13-year-old white boy his yeah. white family right? as a 23-year-old man. Looking crazy as hell. A whole ass 6'7 out here with a 13-year-old Billy. He had a bowl cut and everything. And that was his best friend, bro. And the parents Just was like, homie. yo, sleep in the same room. Yeah, you good. Yeah. You good. That was, that the, was mom, the greatest sign of trauma. But the mom bro. was also like, 
all right, nigger, like you're getting out of line. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't all fun and games. That was a modern house nigger situation, bro. Like yeah. literally. Yeah, that shit was wild, man. Ramen was a. Uh, I didn't know that either. I watched that. I watched that documentary over Christmas time with my grandma and mom, which was funny as shit. Wow. Uh, but they were enthralled. They loved it because you know we all grew up loving ramen. By the time he got to Chicago, uh, I hated that nigga before, uh, or they hated him. <laughs> I did especially. not. Gang, gang. So, uh, so a little bad boys, baby. A little backstory. <laughs> Jaquise <laughs> is from Chicago. And Chris is from Detroit. Oh shit! Now I don't know. I don't know if there's bad blood between y'all, but I'm just saying. Honestly, each of them. I'm gonna be real with you. Like, so during the Bulls, so obviously most of us were. I mean, I was, I was old enough to be deep into the Bulls dynasty, but more that second three peat than the first. Right. Because the first three peat, I was the ages of five to eight. So. You know, I wasn't that deep into it. My first basketball memory is the Bulls winning against the Lakers. Uh, that is my first vivid basketball memory. Because hmm. just I remember the yellow court and, and you know, the celebration and then everybody around me going crazy. And I was sure. five at that point. So I'll never forget that. So by the time it got to 95, 96, by that point, for me, Detroit was – not relevant. Uh, <laughs> they weren't relevant. See the, I'm see sorry. Is, I'm sorry. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that bullshit go by because my first basketball memory was when we uh beat the Lakers ourselves, motherfucker. <laughs> with Big Ben Wallace and ripping on him. So fuck off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yo, was, look, I fucked with actually when I say not relevant, I mean as far as rivalry, because for me, like Grant Hill was playing. So, yeah. like, I fucked with the Pistons and them ugly-ass jerseys they used to have. Yeah, like, disgusting. I, they were yeah. so ugly, they were jiggy, bro. Yeah. Did you talk about with the black, the actual piston on it? That yeah. bitch was went hard. Get out of my face. <laughs> Come on, bro. Come on. Let's not lie here. With the, with the ugly puke teal green? Oh, Come that shit was on. so gross, bro. That shit was Come disgusting. Come on. That's that, heat. That shit would go hard now because it's a throwback. But then, the motherfuckers was ugly. <laughs> that that in the um the the Raptors the purple Raptors jersey Ooh, those are my two so favorite jerseys now. those are the toughest things I've ever seen anybody yeah. wherever and it's a real sign that I am a '90s child because they're <laughs> ugly they're looking very but, ugly well, I'm always I'm always confused by Chris though because he's a full decade younger than me right so like when he said his first memory is the Pistons beating the Lakers he meant in like 2000 and or something. He doesn't oh, mean like. Shit. I yeah, he doesn't mean like ninety one. Oh, it's like way later. He's <laughs> oh, talking about like Rip Hamilton and shit. So. Oh shit! By that I point, even, I even gave you know examples of Ben Wallace and Rip Hamilton when I did that thing. Not my fault, y'all old ass niggas. <laughs> <laughs> yo, by that point, I was rooting for the Pistons, my man. Like I was like, yo, my niggas beat the Lakers. <laughs> Facts. I think at that time I wanted the Lakers to lose too. I just never was like a Kobe guy. But looking back, I wish that they had beaten the Pistons because it's such a, like a throwaway couple years when the Pistons were good. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Fuck out of my face. <laughs> the Pistons were fucking jiggy. Y'all some hating ass motherfuckers, bro. Okay, the Pistons were tight until they did what? The worst thing in the history of sports. Say it with me, guys. They signed Darko Milicic. They didn't sign Darko. <laughs> they drafted, they drafted Darko Second over, but late. Well, wait, who were the people that they picked over, guys? Yeah. Guys, it, it hurts every time I look at it. I hate it. 
Mello. Bosh, wait. Bosh, wait. It's like the, the greatest draft in NBA Bronx. history, and you picked the and only these person niggas that picked didn't hit. Darko, bro. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, how much do you hate your fans, bro? A lot, bro. They didn't. They weren't fucking with y'all. Yeah, man. <laughs> Such is the Detroit curse, bro. That's the thing. Where you from Detroit, you just got to appreciate when things are good. That's all facets right, of life. And the sports just let you know that. They reaffirm yeah, yeah. it. I learned that lesson watching 8 Mile. <laughs> right? Right? Hey, Detroit, man. Detroit, you just got to, you know? <laughs> the I only dude, growing the up o- there and being a Lions fan. The only dude, I, yeah, dude, the Lions are are enough to feel sorry for Detroit. Uh, the only dude I ever knew, like, what real well from Detroit, uh, was known as the school liar uh, back in, in grade school. <laughs> like straight up, that nigga was known as the school liar. Uh, and then he got murked. Uh, <laughs> 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 he got murked. And, and then when he did, we was all like. That's not surprising. Uh, and that's the only dude I like back from like childhood that I knew from Detroit. Uh, See, wow. everybody says all this shit about Detroit. Yeah, the Chicago motherfucker over here for five minutes and tell the story about a nigga getting murked already. I know the east side yeah. of the You told that Chicago. story. You told that story very. It just reminded me of like The Office when like Dwight goes. He was alive and now he's dead. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> it's dead as Danny, dead animal. Yeah, bro. It was very matter of fact when I found out. I was like, oh, damn, Brandon died. I'm not surprised. Which is fucked up. It's real fucked up. I'm not, what, I'm not what insane. What did he do besides not. lie that made you think he's going to die? Slick, what were the lies that got him that nickname, though? Uh, bro, like, the dude, there's, there's nothing that he would say that was true. Literally. Everything he would say was a lie from, yo, what you got in your lunch bag today? <laughs> My nigga, you know, I got lasagna and the bro, you got a sandwich. <laughs> uh, like, it was just like, you lying about unnecessary shit, bro. <laughs> and so like, so I'm sure just if you doing that in sixth, seventh and eighth grade, like you lying about small shit like that, I can only imagine when you get out there in them streets, like you gonna piss so somebody off. So you think off. he got murked for lying? Someone's I think like, he, yo, you got my money? And he's like, yeah. Probably, wow. bro. <laughs> probably, bro. Probably. I'm wow. not even going to lie to you, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Probably. I don't know hey, how man. we got to this. I don't know how we got to this conversation. But Because uh, we talk about Detroit. <laughs> not talk about Dennis Rodman when we talk about talking. Detroit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do say in the documentary that Detroit changes you. And I even wrote that down as a note. I was like, you can't spend more than four years in Detroit and it fundamentally alters who you are as a person. Well, you have to keep in mind that this is also Detroit in like 1986, right? It's like, it's like literally the scene of RoboCop. You know, it's like, right. just like Auto Factory. Wait, where's Axel Foley from? Is he from Detroit? He's from Detroit, Axel bro. Axel Foley yeah, is yeah. from It's Detroit. like, watch any Beverly Hills Cop movie. The Detroit scenes are just like dark and brown and yeah. fucking miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the big the biggest movies from the eighties was like, yo, what's the city that we can go to and then come to Beverly Hills and make it seem the complete opposite? Oh yeah, what? Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. You know what? This is actually perfect. This is actually perfect. Cause this brings up my big point um that I related to Dennis Rodman. Outside of being sports first, like big weirdo is um being from Detroit and just having my particular family situation, 
I have always viewed myself as an underdog, and I think that's an innately Detroit thing. And also, when you have two older sisters, you always feel like an underdog. My sisters, unlike uh, Dennis's, who were like raising him and growing him and everything, were just like very smart and very like always. They were star athletes and shit. And then I was just, you know, the dumb, the dumb, the dumb boy. Did they, did they dress? <laughs> did they put you in dresses? They did not put me in dresses, but they did forcibly give me a makeover. They brushed my teeth until they bled a little bit. They Damn. painted my nails and <laughs> brushed my hair. It was it wasn't great, man. It's great. It, I say that um, not having a brother at all, so not knowing this is completely accurate. But uh, sisters make you mentally tough, and brothers make you physically tough. Like like you can, as a brother, you're like beating each other up and shit, right? And then if you're the younger brother of two sisters, you're like, oh, we playing chess every day. I walk in the house. Let's figure this shit out. And uh, that showed in Dennis how he played. Right? Yeah. That's interesting. It's wild, it's wild for me because, you know, I, I feel like Dennis is claimed by two cities. Uh, he's claimed by Detroit and he's claimed by Chicago. Uh, but for a lot of people... So like, for, but there is nothing Chicago about Dennis Rodman, <laughs> um, like nothing at all. Nothing that I would relate like, oh, yeah, dude, that's that Chicago. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, if you ask somebody who's white, they'd be like, that's a Chicago blue collar. Uh, but if you ask somebody who grew up in the hood in Chicago is, oh, yeah, it's that Chicago grit, that Chicago uh, just put your nose down and, and hustle. But. That is kind of what he was all about, which is why Chicago embraced him so fucking much. It was just hustling, put your head down, do your work. It was all the other shit. Uh, and I don't say that negatively, but it was all the other shit that people were like, this bro's from another planet. But fuck it. We fuck with him, bro. <laughs> we fucked with him so hard. Yeah, the, I think that the, the, the quote unquote other shit there, I did air quotes for those of y'all listening. Um, <laughs> the, the other shit is... I think the the most important thing about Dennis yeah. Rodman, right? Because there's been because you know Detroit had Ben Wallace, as we mentioned earlier. One could argue played a similar style to Dennis Rodman, but never married Madonna. And these type of things are why I think I personally gravitate towards Dennis Rodman. A little we talked about this when I was on Culture Kings, but the. You know, the way that I came up in basketball was I was a late bloomer. So for me, it took a while uh, before, you know, I really hit my stride, before I really got good. And then before I realized, like, what the rules of, like, societal rules expected of a basketball player were. Mm -hmm. And uh, at a certain point, I, say, like, 2006, 2007, decided, like, fuck that. I'm going to just do exactly me. And I paid a lot of consequences for that within the basketball community. I wasn't as good as Dennis Rodman. If I was, I might have had a similar, not going to say his trajectory, but I probably wouldn't have been, you know, kind of cast out of the NBA circles. But um, there was, there was, this was seen as dangerous. And going back to the, 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 the Pistons, tying this into the Pistons, you know, I don't know if I told you this before, but when I was with, I was with the Pacers and I got a call in from Larry Bird and, uh, I was like the last guy on the roster, so I was like, there's no reason for the president of the whole team to talk to me, like, okay. literally at all. 
And I, my first thought is like, damn, this is going to be like, they're really nice about letting people go here. This is like amazing, right? Like A plus organization. And I get into this, uh, I get into this meeting and Larry Bird spends like 15 minutes talking about, you know, the malice at the palace. And he's like, yeah, like we had, you know, with Jermaine O'Neal, you know, punched a guy and like run our test run in the stands. And then like, he transitions. He's like, yeah. And then Jamal Tinsley shot himself in the leg, you know, a couple years back. And I'm like, I'm listening to this for like 15 minutes. Like I'm like partly like fanboying that I'm sitting there with Larry Bird and partly like trying to like process what he's saying to me. And then finally he's like, so while you're here, we're going to need you to not do any of that writing, any of that, you know, video stuff you've been doing on for Yahoo. And I was like, I mean, I just said like, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. Like there's a long way to get there. Right. Uh, right. But looking back years later, like equating writing. And I, at the time I was writing like, like I'd never been to Steak and Shake, right? And there's one right in Indiana, in Indianapolis. And I was like, oh, this shit is the bomb. Like, let me tell you why Steak and Shake is fire. Right. He's like, nah, don't do any of that. That reminds me of someone shooting themselves in the leg. It's wild. And that's why Dennis Rodman, being the first one to like really take that and make it his thing where like, he obviously got backlash, but he kind of pushed through it. Yeah. It's like super important artistically to me. I mean, I think by the time he got to Chicago, because uh, I think he got a lot of that backlash toward the end of his tenure in Detroit. And especially and especially with the Spurs. Yeah. He, For sure the Spurs. Uh, that was where most of that, ba- a lot of that backlash came from. By the time he got to Chicago and, you know, we had, we had just lost Horace Grant. We had just lost two years in a row because we didn't have Horace or a defender and a rebounder. Um, and we just lost two that nigger. So, like, by the time he came, we was like, all right, we got to do who's a dog on the court. And the rest, like, everything else, a lot of people in Chicago didn't give a shit about. We were just like, yo, do your thing. As long as you on the court, like, doing your job, we fuck with you, dude. Like, we fuck with you heavy. And and I remember that first season. I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, when he headbutted that referee and got suspended for all them damn games. <laughs> um, I remember it happening, but not, like, when. I remember it because, like, that was, that was the first time that a lot of people in Chicago was like, all right, bro. Like, you know, cause, because now it's affecting the basketball. Now it's affecting you on the court, right? And and I think that was the one thing that he liked about Chicago from every like from he listening to that documentary or listening to him in Last Dance or interviews is that as long as you showed up in on the court, we gonna let you let your freak flag fly. Like do your thing, bro. Like we don't care because you Chicago is so diverse in that way. Um, Well, on that on that note, on that note, I think that there's. Like, the way I played also was a lot like Dennis Rodman. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is, like, I think the more expressive you are off the court, the harder it is to contain it when you're on the court. So, like, all his theatrics, I know it was a bit performative, but part of it was also, like, what you liked about it. There's the passion and, you know, diving full layout. You know, I have a photo of myself in full layout mode like that. And I always loved it because I'm like, ah, it looks like Dennis Robin. Yeah. But it's like, I also used to like get a lot of technicals and like, I got fined. I got fined $5,000 in Korea 
for ripping my jersey off, like as a fifth foul. <laughs> and the headlines kind of compared it to Dennis Rodman type antics. And it's just funny because it's like, I'm trying to see if there's like some sort of connection between like expressive people and like how they look at a basketball court. I think what it is is why I personally like Dennis so much. And this happens a lot. This is a little sad. This happens a lot with athletes specifically. We talked about it with the Booby Miles thing, right? Where you are only taught you have only so many lanes for success. My man's is all his whole story, his whole through line in that documentary, and I think you can see in his real life, is that he was trying to prove something to someone. He wanted to show some type of worth. I guess we all have that in a way, right? But his comes from a I even the people who were who made me, who were supposed to care about me the most, didn't fuck with me. Like the the there's three very sad scenes in this documentary. It's when his bodyguard goes, "Yo, these people don't mess with you, man. Why you why you hanging out with him?" And he looks at him. He goes, "You think I don't know that? Like, this is just what I gotta do because they're finally giving me the thing I want, right?" And then the other time is with the Pistons coach. Again, that's when it was still together. Because that was a father figure. He's like, I'm not going to let this guy down. Okay? So it's like, okay. He don't even really like basketball, bro. Dennis, Dennis Robin feels like, and I relate to the fact of, oh, I'm just good at this thing. I'm going to try real hard to be good at it. I'm going to focus on it because everybody said this is what I have to do. And um, I've never gotten recognition for being this good at anything else. See, I and not knowing how to control that thing, and then Isaiah brought it up, and I think Isaiah Thomas is one of the phoniest people out. Nobody's that nice, bro. Get the Isaiah. fuck out of here. You were on a team called the Bad Boys, dog, where y'all frequently punch people in the face and close. Isaiah clothes, trying bro. to get into heaven. You're not that nice, bro. Isaiah, you're not that yeah, nice. Isaiah though. trying to get into heaven right now. That's what's going on with that nigga. Like, he's trying to get into heaven right now. I'm gonna speak this blasphemy on a piston. Like, come on, bro. Get out wait, of my face. Wait, I, have a, I have a question. I mean, for you, yo, Jackie, Isaiah's a Chicago dude too. So, like, I, you know, like, I, I, he was born and raised in Chicago, so I fuck with him. But that nigga was an asshole. Come on, bro. Clown. Wait, wait, and wait, then, hold on, wait hold on, let hold me on. finish this point. Let me finish this well, point. You're making a long ass point, motherfucker. I know, nigga. <laughs> what do you mean? Goddamn. And then the third one <laughs> is how he started like wilding out at the Spurs once he lost that father figure and he had to go, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to find my shit. Uh, I watched the Michelle Obama thing, the becoming thing, and she's telling all these kids that, um, you have to have, find the tools within yourself and da 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 And it's like, cool, Michelle Obama, but like, since your, grandfa since your grandfather, like, you've been having structure telling you that you're going to be great and you're going to be tight and you're going to be good. Like, this nigga was homeless and his best friend was a 13-year-old boy because mentally he was fucked. What you mean? He don't know how to express himself in any other way. He just did the first thing that somebody told him was good, that he did well. And he just wild out in that and having no way of like understanding how to, you are smart enough to understand that you have other ways for you to express yourself he didn't have that and i feel like i feel like that's never talked about in sports that's why i was like i want to hit this point because like niggas are always like they're so surprised when dudes flare up and wild out after the fact because it's like okay you took away the one thing that y'all said i did well and everything else i do seems to just not be right yeah i mean for me just just one small point off of that I, I would argue that he actually does love basketball uh, because it it did 
offer a lot of structure that, you know, he felt like he needed and wanted. I think he hated everything else that wasn't between the 94 feet on the court, um, like the interviews and, and everybody prying into his life. And, and Dennis, are you going to do this? Dennis, you can't do this. He's like, bro, I'm showing up on the court. I'm going to outwork everybody. I love this. Leave me alone and just let me live. <laughs> right. And I think, sure. I think when he started to, you know, when you really started to see the switch, the hair color switch and everything like that, I think that was more of him just saying, all right, you know what? I'm just not going to give a fuck what y'all think. I'm going to rebel hard. And rebel is probably the wrong word, but I'm going to do what I got to do without caring what you say about what I'm doing. In the Marshawn Lynch mode. Yeah, yeah. Protect your chicken. Well, let me ask you a question, Jacquees. What's up? Even, I was going to ask this earlier, but I think you even tied it in more now. Not professionally, do you consider yourself, like when you were like a nat, like a 17 more of an athlete at heart or like an artist at heart now an artist but then i don't know i mean like if i'm being delusional i would probably say an athlete uh you know then like at 33 looking back i was like bro you were not no athlete like you had no chance <laughs> um you know you were athletic but uh, but you're on the exact path that you were supposed to be on. But yeah, I think I was, by the time I was like 16, I was like, all right, I'm going into art. But like the, the year, I, you know, the Jordan years, and then, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. So those Sammy Sosa years, I was very, oh, bro, I want to play baseball. I want to play basketball. That's what I want to do even though I'm not growing past five, seven. Uh, um, and, and it was very much, you know, cause for me, I had that, those models of greatness with watching the bulls and then watching Sosa hitting the 66 home runs and shit like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's what I wanted to do, but. Well, I, I asked that question because I think like, for me, I don't know that answer. Mm. And, I I mean I know it now, but back then probably a bit more cloudy. But I was six ten, right? Like it's like I think that's what we get to when we talk about what Chris was mentioned about Dennis Rodman about Dennis Rodman. What if you were an athlete at heart, but you're just six eight, yeah. and it's like I'm sorry, an artist at heart, and you're just six eight, and so you you spend your whole life fitting into the bubble of what you're good at. Instead of what your what you do. heart is. That's true. That's what I'm trying to bring. That's what I was trying to say, bro, is that we perceive that this is the one way to do it. So say were you an athlete or an artist, what you are inside does not matter for your mental. In that time, you were like, this is what I have to be for me to get to where I want to go. At least this for me. I can't speak yeah. for everyone. And also, but wait. Like it's like... Chris, you can attest to this being, because Chris is quite tall. If you, at that age, okay, let's say you're, you're Dennis Rodman, you're 6'8", you have no desire to play basketball, but you're excellent at it. If you don't choose basketball, society's going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm. 
I mean, I still get it all the time. Because I when on the street, I never say I play basketball. If someone asks me, you know, like, oh, like, do you play? I'm like, no. And the first thing they say is like, what a waste. What a waste. Wasted your height, man. If I was your height, <laughs> buckets. But that's not necessarily for everybody. So we're forced to fit into sports first and then art second. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, that's a good point that I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people think about is, especially when you're black too, you know, uh, to society, there aren't many avenues that we can go down. Um, You're six, eight, and you, you know, you're not necessarily an attractive person uh to you know and i'm not trying to yo yo is that a, is that a shop I, I mean to like dennis you know like i'm not trying to say you know but to, to the, the man is self-conscious as hell about wait, it bro just, don't, just don't, quickly, don't clown just quickly, him like that man. my girl last night was like if i don't know i think it was the 90s i think i would have like really been really into dennis and i was like get out you of here have, what does mean, that say about me <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just choosing any black any black right. guy who's tall Jesus but like and, dennis and, has swag bro. ain't nobody gonna look at dennis and be like artist or anything else how would you not though why not like young thug any motherfucking rapper who is a a artiste a weird rapper right now is just off that swag well i'm well in 2020 credit to Jimi hendrix and all those people too but it's like yeah this nigga was out here getting called all types of crazy shit for everybody i mean but it was weirdo jesus bro but like but not when he first came to the league though yeah everybody but everybody evolves right like when rob that's that's the point i was saying when rob was like when you're at 17 do you go are you an artist or an athlete you are only when you're in high school what is making you cool Mm -hmm. or or comfortable in any in any form of that you know what i mean like if you're you're like oh that's why how you get the 80s click like I'm a theater kid. I'm a weird because it's making you comfortable. This is what you can. Yeah, but also you have here. to keep in mind, Jacques was fucking in high school. Like, <laughs> oh, excuse me, excuse he's me. Not, we're on a different. Right, 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 right. He really figured his shit out. Early, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I shouldn't have been. No, I was too young. Ah, was too young. No, he said no. I'm saying. <laughs> I shouldn't have been. You know, it's too young, man. It's too young, bro. I should. You know, I'm gonna tell my kids, don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my. God. But yeah, I mean, I I feel that though. I feel you know, like with with Dennis though. I I also I also would argue more too that with him developmentally, he evolved into the artistic person that we know now. Right. I don't necessarily think. The Dennis that we know from the mid '90s was the Dennis in '84, '85, '86. Uh, even to himself, right? Because uh, right. he was trying to figure out who he was because his upbringing and everything around him. And, and, and I mean, he always had a little bit of a of a of, uh, I don't know a better word to say, but a weirdness to him. And I'm not saying that in a negative connotation at all. I mean, any twenty. 20- I say it constantly, bro. I, any twenty-three year old that's best friends with a thirteen-year-old white kid, you're weird. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. And yeah. to that point, though, I would argue that the man was underdeveloped. Yeah. So he was a 13-year-old. So the 80s thing is him being what we just said in high school. He's he's doing what is giving him positive recognition. So he's like, I'm going to keep doing this. But then once you have a certain level of fame, 
you're opening yourself up to criticism. And then when you get that criticism, and this is the Michelle Obama thing, and you weren't given the tools to be able to handle that, like mentally strong enough to be like, well, fuck you, niggas. Like, whatever. But like, I mean, I think that like, there's a darker like, layer to this, though. And I, like, again, as I draw parallels between my own life and Dennis Rodman's, you know, I mentioned like probably 06, 07 is when I started becoming who I am now, but that's like the end of college for me. I went into college completely different person mm -hmm. and college didn't really change me like literally just maturing like you gotta keep in mind like someone who grows a foot at age like 19 20 21 that person is physically immature and that physicality like the like you see it in terms of growth but that can mean also like brain development that can mean like all sorts of stuff that he's not a man yet like the criticism part criticism changes any everybody for better or worse, you see that with even Jordan in the series. But the 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 idea of becoming his art like expressive side, that could have just been dormant and literally every day he lives and breaks away from like how he was raised, he settles into that more. Like I didn't start painting until I was 33. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean I wasn't doing creative stuff, but you do grow into I think like every day you live, you find your base more. And as a creator, and I think Jackie, you could probably speak to this a little bit. Um, as a creator, the more you know yourself, the better your art becomes. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I've told the story on Culture Kings a lot. Anybody who knows me, this isn't a, a secret story or anything. But, you know, for me, I, um, you know, like growing up, I would always do a talent show or I was always, you know, playing make-believe or everything that now I'm looking at it was like oh you were grooming yourself to be the artist uh, or have an artistic side that you do now but you know like first it was athlete then I was gonna be a rapper which is also an artistic thing as well um, but then I got into trouble and because I couldn't leave the house or do hang out with my friends I was like, I'm bored. Let me just go, go out. Started di fucking. Yeah, started fucking. <laughs> started fucking. <laughs> let me go. Out, let me go. Let me go fuck these theater Yo, girls hey, real quick. <laughs> I, I watched the shine, bro. I get. It. I think it's just in all water, man. Yeah, it's in the water, bro. It's in the water. <laughs> but I was like, let me go audition for the school play, just on a whim, and mm -hmm. fell in love with it, and that changed the course of my life, just literally on a whim. So you never know, like something in you is always there and it just takes one thing to wake it up. So That's again, on a, I'm gonna piggyback on a parallel of that, right? Cause we'll talk about myself a little bit, but also give a broader black experience. I would, me personally, right? I got my thing because I couldn't read, learn to read, love fantasy books, spend a lot of time by myself. But I, my main problem is feeling I never want somebody to assume something about me. Like I have an inferior complex of being underestimated and that comes from not feeling enough, right? So then I found something that I got enough from and that was football. But, and unlike the other kids, I'm not gonna specify the other kid, that I went to high school with, who had the opportunity to be like, oh, I'm gonna discover all of these type of things. I had to discover which sport worked for me. Does that, does that mean? Yeah. Like everybody else got to go do their Super 8 stories. They were filming with their little homies. You know, they fucking went to theater camps. They went to did da 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 da. I didn't do that. It was like, which one of these are going to get us to our objective? So I never knew. I never had the opportunity to know that the reason I like movies so much is like, this is how I can express myself. This is how I 
have the most talent of telling my particular view of the universe to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's, for so long, it was just, nah, you got you to gotta tackle this motherfucker. And then, too, I also That's think, it. look, we're kind of bringing it back to Rodman, I, you know, I think him in Chicago, to me, and this is me now as an adult looking back, Obviously, I didn't think this then because I was a child. But I think him being in Chicago and having that winning tradition around him and Jordan and Pippen and that structure and especially Phil. Like, Chuck, we talk about how Chuck Daly was like a father figure to him. Phil is still like a father figure to, to Robin based on all the interviews he, he gives. Oh, wait, quick pause. Can we just gas... Feel more because that's what the last that's what the last day should be making everybody do. Yeah, because that man is an icon. Dude, Phil is an icon, bro. I don't think. Yeah, I think one thing about the last dance is they aren't really focusing on how great Phil was as a coach as much as they should. Um, and I know he had great players and everything like that, but he also revolutionized what it's like to coach great players, and he doesn't yeah. get enough credit for that. Um, but with but with Ramen too, I think when he came to Chicago that's when it really started to grow because the city embraced him and his teammates was like, yo, as long as you do your job on the court, go take that 50 hour bender. And when we need you to come back, we're going to knock on your hotel door and bring your ass back to the to practice. Right. So I kind of have an issue with that. Really? I, like, I mean, on the one hand, allowing someone to be their best self is great. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, telling someone to go take a 50-hour bender may be what they need in the moment, but I feel like... Step right, in and maybe, help us hey, for the Maybe do run. all that while you're trying to win a championship, but as soon as the Bulls break up, like, MJ, go with Rodman, like, to, like, get some real help. You right. know what I mean? Like, I feel like they, like, they basically used him in that respect, and then when it was over, all right, you're done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't know how I feel about it, like expressively, like great. If you're getting your job done, express yourself off the court however you want. But he was clearly showing signs, and like, yeah, Isaiah may be trying to get into heaven, but he cried real tears in the Dennis Rodman documentary. Like over this person, I didn't see him shed a single one during the Last Dance. MJ talks about about Rodman like it's a, it's a tool he used to like achieve another goal. Like, hey, we can't win without this piece. Mm-hmm. All right, what is it going to take? Great, we got to let the lawnmower rest for an hour before we can cut the grass again. That's what it sounds like to me. It doesn't sound like there's any affection there. Mm -hmm. And I think as we talk about him growing into a place that embraced him, part of embracing somebody is is understanding them and helping them improve on themselves, which is why, and this we'll save this for a later date, but I think LeBron is just better at that. Like, the only person, we, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, probably the only person who... LeBron wouldn't help in life or like in his whole circle that you'd ever see fails Delonte West. And that's because he smashed his mom. Everybody else, everybody else is, I probably never see struggling. He got you on the mental health apps. He got you doing meditation. He got you yeah. doing like yoga and shit. Like that's all part of supporting somebody. And I hate that they like kind of just like told him to go away for two days and then come back and just get the job done. Yeah. And they all just disbanded. I mean, you know, I think a part of that too, I don't, let me first say, I don't, disagree with that at all i actually agree with that 100 percent um a a caveat to that agreement though is i do think a part of that and this is unfortunate but a part of that is we have 
as a society, the NBA in general, um, has grown um, as far as our our relationship with mental health with each other as men. Um, and 100%. Because you said it first, Michael Jordan and Dennis. Yeah. They both need help. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I, think that's a, I think that's a big part of it, you know, like how I, I'm so happy. That's one of the things that I think the NBA does so well and, and doesn't get enough credit. And LeBron, all of them, is that the toxic masculinity that we see <laughs> uh, that we see because uh, you know like let's be real like there's a lot All of shit I'm sure. still a thing yeah i'm sure there's I'm a lot of shit yeah <laughs> but i think the conversation is being had more than it ever has been had before um and i'm not saying that as an excuse i i am just saying like as a simple fact that it's just different times um yeah where I'm not surprised that Jordan, who, as we see with this documentary, had a lot of moments of needing his own damn help. Like these last two episodes, yeah. especially around his father and stuff like that. Like Jordan was so great. Jordan was so great. And two times in his career was completely fed up with basketball. <laughs> like that's a, yeah. that's an insane notion to think. Like LeBron to my knowledge, has never fallen out of love with basketball. Where Jordan was so great, this nigga was going through the motions. Uh, and, and not because of his greatness, but because of his mental health. And then his father dying, and then everything like that. And this dude needed help just as much as the rest of the Wait, hot take, hot take, hot take oh, right what? now. Jordan actually didn't like basketball. I, he's just so competitive, and that's what he's the best at. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all I, that's not a hot take i feel like we said that yesterday it's quite literally i this is all what i always my friend had to argue with me for like an hour the other day he was like bro lebron against jordan bro you can't do it i'm like the difference is jordan will stay in the court all day until he wins until he gets a winning advantage he'll be like nah run it back run it back run it back lebron's feet will be bleeding he might have beat him 50 games in a row, but Jordan would be like, nah, we're going to run this back until you give me this fucking money. The man, man's mental disorder, and this is what we were talking about. Mental health is different, and we need to address that because culturally, specifically as black men, we have become uh, more open to the fact that uh, our teachings, that we have to just take the pain, that we handle... Uh, pain better than white people when we go to the hospital so they can do whatever they want. All of this stuff is not true. We are people. Like, yes, we are more resilient than more other people because of the structures the society has put on our heads. But, like, we still people. Mm. It, name an athlete <laughs> of before 2000, and I'll show you a man with a mental problem. Because you have to be somewhat crazy in order to get there. And then you have nobody caring about the side effects or the outcome or a way to hamper and control that, that, uh, that desire, that the machine that has been built for them to get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I guess I would say that, that I can point to some athletes who didn't have that, but also they are generally considered soft. Like by their contemporaries, which is a problem and something David that I Robinson? ran into. People, people used to say I was soft all the time. I'm like, how? Like, 
what do you mean? I'm like leading. I'm like, I remember in the D League, my best year, I was the number one rated inside defender in the whole league and led the league in rebounding. And every time we play someone, they'd be like, man, this soft ass. They'd be like, just because I talk different and I like wore bright clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, there's no like logic to it. It's just, but I would say like, I feel like Grant Hill was probably like very well adjusted. Mm-hmm. But, but that's why Jalen Rose is like, oh man, we saw this Uncle Tom ass nigga. We didn't respect him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's the part that, that permeates the black community where it's like part of where our toughness comes from is acting more like you have less to lose, mm-hmm. which is buck wild. Yeah. I also think too, like here's, here is something that a lot of people don't talk about with Rodman, with Jordan, I'll use those two examples, is how much fame fucks you up. Um, and, and like, with Jordan, yes. with Jordan, I think, like, so, it always, it, it kind of always bothers me when people don't acknowledge this part to Jordan, uh, when we talk about him in today's society, but how, you know, he's very much a country kid who didn't have a blueprint on how to become the most famous person in the world. Uh, Like that is, I can only imagine how much of a mental fuck that is. Like you're a country, North Carolina country kid and not just the most famous person in basketball, not just the most famous athlete, for a time he was the most famous person in the world where there wasn't really a blueprint for that. And and this isn't a knock on LeBron, but like with LeBron, there was a blueprint for, there was a little bit, not saying there was, it's still easy, but there was more of a blueprint for that. For Rodman too, there was, for where he came from, to going to the Bad Boys Pistons and then going to the most famous team of all time, uh, especially at that time, there's no blueprint for 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 that, and and then everybody, and you know, we all know, especially being in the entertainment industry, how much people hype you up and the yes men that you put around you, and and this, and how intoxicating, like we all do comedy, how intoxicating a laugh is, and makes you want to keep doing it. Imagine millions of people, like saying, "Ooh, Robin, you fucking Madonna." Ooh, you go, boy. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> for somebody who has had no blueprint for getting there, like, I can only imagine how much of a mindfuck that is for these dudes. Like, call it the Justin Bieber effect, except the fact that you add on that this is pre 70s South for both right, of these right. men. Right, right. That's your them at the same time. So it's Being like. famous black men, I think, adds to that as well. Um, you're right. You, you said you were going to say something people don't talk about. You brought heat with that one. Because I do feel like an argument I always make pro-LeBron is that he doesn't make these same mistakes, but I rarely give credit to the fact that he learned from mistakes. Mm. Um, he had to. He, he was able to look at what other people did and then build upon that, which is why he's the guy who doesn't get into trouble, the guy right. who... Like, and I'm not saying like, it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. Oh, like, it's true. still hard with LeBron. Like, it's still commendable what LeBron has done. Like, LeBron pretty much more than anybody came into the league where people were saying, you're going to be the best person to ever do this. And he took the crown and was like, you're right. And like actually, and and didn't fuck it up along the way. That's also not easy. That's wild. <laughs> like, that's also not easy. Wild. Yeah. But I think it's also wild just given, what, again, what we, what we knew from before LeBron. 
Because really, people don't talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I just just wave my head side to side with a lot of angst. Uh, that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was LeBron before LeBron. Mm. Like he was, it was decided when he was like 15 that he was going to be the greatest player ever, and literally lived up to it at every moment. Yeah. And besides, like not liking the media really never got into any trouble in his whole goddamn life. Yeah, and was an activist. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, on top was, of that. His, his name isn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His name is Lou Alcindor. Yeah. He changed it in the spirit of activism. But and, there are also Muhammad Ali's to every Jordan, where it's like, I was given this gift, and I'm aware that this gift is to help improve my people, and there are people who are just like, nah, I got lucky enough to get here. I'm going to stay here, mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep going. And it's just structural differences. I've, Kareem's parents probably was there to to be like, "Hey, nigga." Like, well, I think you, that there's like like Jordan is is about the same age as my mom, and I say that to say like I think a lot of when you when I hear Jordan's quotes in the media now, like or at least on the Last Dance, I should say, they mirror shit my mom would say. Like Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah. Like, my mom is like came from nothing has a lot now and basically is like a Republican as a result. Like for real, like she's, she protects what she's earned. Cause she's like, I have a right to be selfish. Yeah, bro. And I think that we see Jordan and he exhibits that same nature. He's like, look, I, I need to, I just got here. I'm going to protect my money at the time when he said that he didn't have a billion dollar industry, never won a championship yet. You know, I, I can be mad at it, but I also can't be mad at it. You can you can here's the thing. I think like when with that with that particular thing, you can you can be mad at it through the lens of today. But I think when you have to when you flip the glasses around, you also have to you know, there's shades of gray in there. Like there is not just black and white, you know. And, and also, you know, listen. Hot take. You about to talk about uh, his dad murder? Huh? <laughs> so you better talk about him getting his dad right? nah nah I'm not gonna talk about that I'm not gonna talk about that but hot take politically even though you know the Reagans of the world back then and the George H.W. Bushes and the Republicans there's still racism and all that stuff right there uh, politically uh, I would say 2020 with the rise of social media is a lot more toxic than it's ever been so in 1990 Somebody saying Republicans buy sneakers too. Yes, that caused a whole bunch of issues, especially in a black community. But I think it's a little bit different than if somebody even today said the same thing. <laughs> hey, if somebody today, 100%. if somebody today said that same thing, everybody would be like, nigga, what? Every single thing <laughs> all of these dudes did back then would be wild now. Yeah. I mean, one big difference between, I mean, we could be it Rodman taking 48 hour benders or Jordan like playing basketball for three hours and then golfing for the other 21 and like gambling and partying like, and smoking cigars not, every minute it's like everyone else partied and not me like yeah. oh I went in this room and they was all in there fucking these bitches it was cocaine they was doing lines even the fact that Jordan called them lines like who they like just like oh I've dealt with this enough just like oh yeah they was hitting lines like but I I stayed away yeah get out of here with that nonsense that would all be social media crazy today yeah, like bro. crazy yeah crazy yeah it's wild I mean like I I I I loved it like because growing up like because for me the Bulls were you had Jordan who was just you know God status right. 
the that was what you thought of when you thought of greatness and the ideal basketball player. You had Pippen, great sidekick, the sidekick, the best Robin ever, right? And this is these are all reductive, uh, you know, tags I'm putting on them. But then you also had Robin, who as a preteen and a teenager at that time was dipping his toe in everything that was cool to us. Because remember, this dude was wrestling in WCW. Uh, this is at the height of attitude era. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this dude was changing his hair color and all that stuff. This is at the height of what at what we all thought was cool as shit back then as teenagers. So for me, ramen wasn't weird. Like ramen was cool. Ramen was cool as shit. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think for I think for me as well. I mean, like that's why we're even talking about him now. I. Rodman says in his documentary that for like two years he was more famous than Jordan. Yeah, I believe it. he was. Him marrying himself like on the street, like <laughs> I fully did not understand. I mean, I, I, I was probably 12 or 13 at that time. I did not understand what I was seeing. I just knew I had to like keep watching it. Yeah. Like I didn't get it. I was like, is he gay? Like, does this matter? I, I'm so confused, but I'm watching it. Right. I refuse to use weird as a pejorative. I'm saying is it like, it's hard to be black weirdo, <laughs> Prince. Like, just go down the list of any, like, like Lil Richard, R.I.P. Like, just, like, being black and weird is not a given. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't, I think that Dennis deserves more credit. Like, yeah, he's, he's a messed up dude. He does crazy things. He broke his dick trying to dive into a lady. Did he break his he's dick? He's a bad father. Yeah, he's got a, he's, look at him, it's crazy. He's got Did a, you know about that, Jackie? No. Where, Bro, where is this coming there's from? This, uh, there was this, I think it was Vice, and they had a series where they had celebrities uh, tell stories about crazy parties, uh-huh. and they would animate it, and they would do crazy designs, like cartoons, off of that, and he gave this story about him being on a boat, and Shorty said, dive in it, and he literally <laughs> and broke and then went to the hospital. It's a funny video. Oh wow! Ooh, three different times. Three times. Yeah, you know, I just said. I just, said, I just said that up three. Are you looking? Is this what you're saying? Yeah. I was like, yeah, dude. Shit. I saw that. Here's how Dennis Robin broke his penis three different times. I'm like, what? God damn! Oh, what the? F- oh, I don't like that. So the double-edged sword of that also, which is pointed out by the breaking your dick three times, is. Most weird people are people who felt odd and are trying to get attention by leaning into those things that made them odd, right? Yeah. Like Dennis called ugly, so he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna do the oddest stuff ever." Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'll be like, "I'm just gonna." You said I can't party. I'm gonna party all the fucking time, and that's a consistent thing. And I hate that most about the cliche of like artists have to have dark shit and they have to have a fucked up background. Yeah, and that it. I feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes. With Robin, though, I think here's one thing that I always appreciate with Robin and 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 how he's, you know, groundbreaking and really paved the way for, you know, there are there are a lot of people who paved the way for the NBA we see today. Uh, the top four names on that list, not the top, but top four names on that list for me, obviously Jordan, Allen Iverson, Dennis Rodman. Yeah um are are just you know and then Shaq um like those four players right there are directly responsible for 
Straight backs and sleeves, baby. <laughs> right. I mean, like Iverson changed the league so much, you had to put a dress code in, which and which evolved to the fashion that we see in the NBA now. He's like, all right. I, I routinely say that Dennis Stern is responsible for modern fashion. I mean, he kind of is, like, bro. Alan Iverson started it, but David Stern making that change literally is why streetwear is now considered a luxury brand. Yeah, yeah, bro. And then, and then also, you know, like. Dennis Rodman is a little bit of, unfortunately, a product of his time. Uh, like, if, De- if Dennis Rodman wouldn't be considered wild today. I mean, maybe he would, but not in the same Ooh, way. I don't know about that. God damn. Like, about- <laughs> who in the NBA today could marry themselves in the middle of New York? And people wouldn't be like, that's wild. <laughs> but let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. How much of a product of that? Like a lot of the things he did in the mid '90s was one, it had never been done before, and two, so many people saying you can't do that. Uh, like, I think a lot today, play people are a little more accepting of players expressing themselves than they were back then, and so you think without that push to his pull, like he would have done a lot of the, some of the things that he did back then today I, I think that i think that you're onto something there and i think again him dating madonna was a big part of that because obviously she like became famous by like making counterculture culture yeah um so yeah i just still think today anybody who marries themselves <laughs> like, that's where the line is drawn that's yeah he's wild for that i mean people was bugging just because young thug put a dress on for his album cover uh, he ain't marry himself in the middle of Times square yeah well and Kobe a custom made like a dress hat. Kobe the wore a white hat in the GQ photo shoot, and people were like, "Kobe, man, what's up? What's up, dog? Yeah, y'all here tripping, dog? I mean, a lot of that. White. A lot of that is also the homophobic nature of our culture, still. <laughs> so, big facts. Unfortunately, big facts. Um, big facts. Yeah, like which is a whole nother conversation uh, for another day. Because that that's something too that like, <laughs> like, Robin's uh, fluid sexuality is something that you still don't see today. I think uh, in the NBA, not publicly at least. You right, yeah, and and you know I I would love for that to be the next step in the evolution of the NBA, uh, where Robin is still very much uh, a lightning rod in that aspect of his career, where he was just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear these. uh," I mean, fashion wise, sure, but now it's fashion. Like, Ramen was yeah. doing fashion, too, but Ramen was also like, I don't have to fit into these norms that you think I need to fit into. He got some fit-offs in that documentary, though. <laughs> he got some looks, yeah. boy. He got some looks, bro. Sure. I was like, hey, bro. He has some, he has some fashion looks. I think for him, though, it wasn't. It was obviously fashion, but it's not in the same way that we view fashion today. I think for him, it was breaking norms yeah. as opposed well, he's to. definitely choices. a troll. Yeah. Those are all choices. The way that they, this will be the last point I make, but the way that they showed him kind of being introduced at San Antonio and taking off the hat to reveal the blonde mohawk, mm-hmm. I think is some, is everything that you're saying, Jockeys. It wasn't just that he made a choice. It's that he made a choice that he knew was shocking, and he chose to reveal it at times that he knew would be the most shocking point. Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate the fuck out of that. <laughs> I appreciate that because without without people like that, then shit doesn't change, right? And and you don't get you don't get a lot of the players who feel comfortable being themselves. Um, and we still got a long way to go with that. 
but you don't get a lot of the players who feel comfortable being themselves and or feel comfortable making a statement and making it when they know it's going to count. Um, yeah, as much as you as much as you do now. So he was he was a he was very much a godfather in that aspects um, when it comes to individuality, uh, especially in the NBA. Big facts. Could not agree more. Jacques. It's great having you for this hour. Bro, this was a fun. Uh, Appreciate it. Tell me, tell me something you're doing. What are you plugging? What's up with you outside of this? Yeah, yeah. You know, a um, lot of lot of lot of cool stuff. Obviously, listen to Culture Kings uh, on the Earwolf yeah. Network. Uh, that's always a, a good time. We got to get both of you guys on there. Got to get you back, right? Got to get you on, Chris. Uh, and then, um, you know, keep an ear out for some. I can't necessarily say exactly what, but keep an ear out for some animation uh, hey, stuff out there. there okay, uh, voice might be popping up in in the universe that you uh, that you that we all know and love. So uh, keep an ear out for that. Got a, such a sexy voice. Man. Oh, thank you, God. thank you so <laughs> much. Like, it's the people know. need the people need to hear this <laughs> educated brother right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy's voice yeah. God, takes me back. Hey, listen, man, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to hit everybody out here. <laughs> uh, I'm very voice curious. So. Yeah. And then you know, if the world ever comes back, which you know it will, uh, if we're not being dramatic, but uh, you know. Find me on social media for any type of live performances and stuff I do all over LA and the like. What's uh, what's your social? Uh, at Jockeys Neal on everything. At Jockeys Neal. Spell that though, because white people white be people like, be like what? white people be like what? Too. I didn't <laughs> have to spell it. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah, black people don't. Yeah, black people spell it just as wrong as white people do. Uh, unfortunately, uh, J A C Q U I S N E A L. Great. Perfect. Chris, where are they finding you at on social? At Dreddens. Um, everybody's here is Evans when I say my last name. So it's D-R-E-D-D-I-N-S. Great. You can find me at, it's my middle name, Jerryon, Z-S-O-R-R-Y-O-N, on Instagram and Boom, though, on Twitter. Uh, thanks again, Jacques, and we appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, bros. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.